Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Happinesses podcast with me, your host Bruce Aitchison from Happinesses Egg Shaped and it has been a while but we are back and who do you come back with? Just somebody outstanding, uh, one of those annoying people that just gets more and more handsome the older he gets, uh, loved watching him as a player, ended up coaching with him side by side, became pretty good mates, uh, love his attitude, loved the way he was, the players loved working with them and then he ended up pulling his boots on at the end of the season as well Scotland International, Sevens International, a man who is very well known and we all love and we're going to hear all about him, rugby, Six Nations and probably a little bit more here we go with Mr Alistair Hogg, hello sir Hello, how are you? Yeah good thank you, good to see you, life good? You know, can't complain, can't complain Um uh, just, just you mentioned me there pulling the boots on for what sounds back in the day. I, uh, I actually currently coach Anik Rugby uh, down in Northumberland, and I also pulled the boots on earlier on in the year. Uh, having turned forty, decided to get the boots back on again in, in dire straits. Um, there was, it was just end of end of the farming season. Lots of farmers away, a few injuries, uh, a way to crack heating uh, in the pouring oh, rain. Yes. So came on uh, for the last 30 minutes to shore it up when it was, uh, I think it was 13.10 to us. Um, and it was chucking it down, came on at 12. I made uh, <laughs> made three tackles, no ball carries, and got marched back 10 from the referee. So that was my contribution. So brought, but I did bring enthusiasm, brought a lot of enthusiasm. Did you get marched back for your mouth? Uh, yes, um, uh, I, I questioned the referee's decision for not giving me a holding on penalty, and I got matched back ten to the, to, to uh, my team's delight. Uh, the 
the review on the following Thursday of watching me getting marched back ten. Did you uh, did you get a pint fine after the game or anything like that? Uh, no, they were, they, were, some... they were desperate to get me back in the bus um, and and have a, a drive home, but I'd, I arranged a lift back from uh, the delights of Clackheaton, um, so I managed to, to avoid that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I didn't have to do any dirty pints, thankfully, which is good. But they're determined to get me one, so I think I might have to do Scunthorpe away because the head coach is away, so that could be could be could be messy. Scunthorpe away, Clackheaton. That's John Bentley's club. It is, yes. Um, so we, we got changed. There's like it's like an old it's a cricket pavilion, and then you go across, then onto the probably pitches below the cricket pavilion. So you go upstairs, um, and the stairs are like. Mount Everest, like so steep, and you go in, uh, and then it's it's the old uh, like no uh, sort of wooden benches, but they've got the the big long like thick heat pipe underneath all the, yeah, the benches. Lovely. So like you, like so you're at, basically your calves down are roasting, but apart from that you're freezing. Um, and uh, there was two holes in the window where cricket balls have obviously come through at some point, <laughs> and not have not bothered to not bothered to fix them. So you've got like roasting calves, but like a gentle breeze coming through with a bit of misting in the rain as well. So it's uh, it, it was an experience, shall we say? So. Uh, we got us we were in a bit of a st- uh, struggle, so I think they, they were bottom and we were second bottom, so we managed to to, to win that and we went a bit of a run uh, after that, which is quite good. But thankfully, I've not had to put my boots on again. It's it's class. I love hearing stories, guys like you that have played at the top, but you're still involved. So you you must still love it. Uh, no, it's good. Yeah, good, and uh, it's good. You, you look at it and you saw the video back. You go, bloody hell, look old. Do you know what I mean? Like, literally, <laughs> grey hair. And then after it, one of the one of the, the guys sent me a photo of me running out of the Falcons, holding holding a little kid's mascot's hand, running out. And uh, and it turns out I'm running out with he's probably maybe four or five that the, the kid I was running out with. Uh, and it was actually the winger that started that match. So, actually, so he did sent me a photo uh, of this a card as well. So I was like, jeez. What am I doing? What am I doing? And my wife was saying that as well. I was like, what? What are you doing? I said, well, you need help. It was like proper dire straits. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen again. But yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's nice being in around uh, boys. You, like when you get into the real world, you miss the crack and, and having a laugh and uh, yeah. a joke and, and calling a spade a spade, and, and, and which, which which is good. So uh, that, that, that's kind of why I enjoy it and uh, enjoy sort of giving back a little bit. Boys seem to enjoy it. Well, they tell me they do. Uh, they might say other things behind my back, but they seem to, seem to enjoy it. No, I've got no doubt they do. I love those stories of the picture and then it turns into you end up playing together or you do that. To go and tell me this one, because I've I've only done it, I think, a couple of times where I've played. Did you tell her that you were going to play or was it a secret that you were? Yes, I did. I did did say I was going to play um, because I think we had something on and I had to say I couldn't do it. Uh, it was like, look. They really need me to play, so I'm going to go away. So I got the bus down, did a quiz, came joint joint second in the quiz in the bus. I was quite pleased with myself. Um, and then, yeah, so yeah, she, she knew. So she was, and she just basically, I phoned after. I'm all right. I survived. Uh, no injuries. Um, I, I was lucky. It was lucky because it was, um, it was like such a wet day. It was one of those days you didn't want the ball. Like literally, all I came on was told the ten. I do not want to see the ball. Can you just kick it as far down the pitch, and we'll just chase it. And thankfully, we had the, we had the wind and the rain. Um, so at our backs, the second half, and playing down a slight hill. So it was all in my favour. So. That uh, was very good at directing, you know, marshalling. Do you know what I mean that yeah, sort of uh, co- coaching the pitches? Yeah, exactly. Experience, know where to be and where not, and know where not to be. I picking and going, get yourself away from that. <laughs> I love that you brought yourself on at twelve. That's class. 
Uh, it's that time of year, Six Nations time. How how does that feel? Do you miss it? Are you happy to be a spectator? Are you good at watching? Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. When I first finished, I hated it. Did you mean like I didn't like watching it? Still thought I could play. Well, obviously I couldn't be that sort of arrogance as a rugby player. You think, oh, I could still do that. You couldn't really. I remember going back maybe about eight, nine months after a game to, to when I actually watched Tim Swinson. Uh, he was playing for Saracens at the time against Newcastle. And one of my mates, uh, Bobby, were watching it. And I was like, were we this big? Do you know I mean? I don't remember everyone being so big. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone was just like sort of thick, twi- like twice as deep as you are now. Uh, and it was just like, I don't fancy that. And seeing the hits again, you think, nah, I'm, I'm too old for that, especially that level. Um, you drop down a couple of levels, it's not as bad, but it's still, there's some big lads. And you think, no, I, I think I, I'm done now. But, you know, I do enjoy watching it and uh, I enjoy sort of going to the pub now and have a few beers, um, like Saturday. Um, um, I've got two girls, so they've got sort of sporting events on during the day, so we'll go and watch them. I think uh, Annika got a game at two, so it should finish, then get back home, and we normally go and get some pies from local butchers and different things like that, and have a bit of a picky tea and a few beers and get the fire on and watch it at home, so it's, it's quite good. So uh, do, do, I do quite enjoy doing that, making a bit of a day of it, actually, now, um, and, and, and getting involved in that, and so especially Six Nations, and, and both my girls love watching rugby as well and, and support it, so it's, it's good fun. Do you watch it and can sit back and relax or are you sitting forward with your elbows on your knees and shouting at the referee and telling people what to do or can you just watch it as a fan just watch it watch it as a fan uh to be honest and then let Leicester do something really stupid then you just get frustrated do you know I mean it's just like what are you doing what are they thinking and especially when they look a bit directionless uh, not this isn't just scotland it's, i suppose any team's like why are they doing that and uh and and as long as it's competitive that's the thing like you go back to the world cup there was probably more sort of like cricket scores than I was expecting, to be honest. But even if it's two evenly matched teams, um, I think it was at Portugal-Georgia, and a fantastic game. Like, do you mean, they're not two of the top nations, but actually two teams equally ma- uh, matched, but just wanted to have a crack. And like, that was brilliant. Like, that was probably one of my, my favourite games, that and the, the Wales-Fiji game. Do you mean, that they were just two brilliantly matched teams just want to play some rugby. And, and you just like get excited, get excited for it. And then obviously that last pass for Fiji, which you should have scored at the end like just like devastated for them as well and, uh, yeah. and, and you, you, it's like those that you get carried away with it as though that that's your country uh, and you're like oh what are you doing and, and, and really get involved so I, I do enjoy that element of it and then also when Scotland comes you just get just get annoyed sometimes as well <laughs> who do you like watching for Scotland I am um, so I suppose like obviously Darcy Darcy is just just a little bit different isn't he just get gets involved create something out of nothing and, and that's that's the, the magic magic of him as well obviously Finn uh, as well just for the exact same reasons you, you don't know what he want to do and he's the type of player I would love to have played with because I think you, you could have fed off him and if you give him options you, you'll find you and that's sort of using his strengths uh, and and you need people around him that can read the game because he can read the game very well and if you've just got Big mutants that are not prepared are just going to run straight. You're not going to get the best out of, Phil, uh, out of Finn. So it's very much you need some good rugby players running about him to, to bring the best out of him and out the best out of, of them. So that's why I think him and, and Darcy link up quite well. Um, and, and again, that's a creative creativity edge rather than just sometimes, I think say at one point, Scott, that was just get as big as, as many big people to run into some other big people, which was a bit dull, to be honest. Whereas at least we can we can play, play a bit of rugby, uh, which, is, which is good to watch. Do you still keep in touch with the, the guys you played with? Are they still your mates? Are you on WhatsApp groups? Is there a bit of chat about, oh, I can't believe if Gregor's picked him or why is he not in the squad? Or and 
Not really, no. It's, it's like anything. You know, obviously, life takes over and, and goes in different directions. But then it's nice when you, this Six Nations, if you do go up and see a game or you go to one of the, sort of the, the extra nationals and you bump into people you've not seen for years and you know how you get on and uh, you sort of reminisce um, uh, about it. And, and time sort of, all that time that's passed sort of disappears and you just sort of take off of, of where you were a bit like ourselves and we spoke, spoke for a while and just catching up and you think oh I remember that and they've done this and remember when that happened and remember when he did this and that and that's what's nice about it as well and then as we were just talking about previously it's very much in in the professional world as well it's amazing how different people pop up and you, and you see other people and you go to dinners you meet people down in London you end up catching them for a beer whatever it may be so no, it's, it's nice things like that. That, that that's what you enjoy and that's sort of community and network are really sort of there to lead on and help. For a long time, you would never have been to Murrayfield as a spectator. So you would have been, and then it it became, I suppose, your place of work for, for quite a long time. What's what's match day like as a player on Six Nations weekend? Yeah, it, it's, it's different because obviously when, when we played, we used to stay at Dalmahoy a bit, so you were a bit out of it. Um, at, at the start, so you you were never really in the city centre. You came into train, but then you left to go back out to Dalmahoy again. But then lastly, you, you were you were in the city centre, which was quite nice. Wander around, go for a coffee, and and catch up with people, which was quite nice. And you can just it's like any sort of city that that hosts it. It, it just starts a buzz. You start seeing closer it gets to the weekend. Um, like down down in Cardiff this weekend, you know, you'll, you'll start probably from t- tomorrow. Start seeing the odd blue shirt popping up, a bit of a, a kilt floating around. That's it's taking a couple of days off what to, to go down three days early. Um but and that's it, he starts to build and then I suppose latter one of the times I came up to, to watch a game, I got the train up from Newcastle and I got up maybe a few hours early, so I decided to walk to the ground. It was a French game and it was unbelievable. There was more French people in Edinburgh than there was Scottish, I think, in the, in the walk to the stadium. And then and there's that sort of real buzz and everyone's just there to have a good time for the weekend, win, lose or draw, just go out and have a good time and Everyone's sort of socialising together, which is which is which is all about, really, isn't it? that's what sports about? Bringing different people together, different walks of life, different nations, and going 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 sort of be rivals for that 80, 90 minutes, but then then go have a beer afterwards, have a laugh and a joke at each other's expense, and and uh, and have a good weekend and create some memories. What was your? I, I think I know this because I, I think this is the kind of thing I used to ask you. What was the changing room like when you were a Scotland player? That I, I know there was different groups there was those that were you got into the zone in different ways is maybe the polite way to put it yeah no there's, there's different i was well, a bit more relaxed I, I i found out early in my career that if i started thinking about the game too too soon i just got really nervous and like and like nervous energy and by the time the game came i was knackered i was just like sort of emotionally drained and, and physically knackered just because i was so nervous and excited so i tried to sort of not think about the game at all, really, until sort of pretty much the warm-up, or, and sometimes just a little bit before that, and then switch on and go. And I was sort of able to do that, where some some boys would just sit down in the cor- corner with music blaring and, and just go in their own little world. Uh, like I know Alistair Stroke, she was one that was always like that, just this quiet, just kept himself to himself, but then uh, didn't really say anything. But then when the game time came, he just kicked into life. And then you got boys that are joking around, mucking around, having a laugh and a joke, and reading it through and I know some people sit and read the, the programs and try and look for spelling mistakes and any sort of punctuation mistakes, things like, like it just people, any, people, those people do different things. Um, and then you've got the, you've got the usual ones that go around punching people and whacking heads off walls and slapping things. And uh, it's got smelling salts and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, it's very much that sort of, um, as much as you're a team, 
it's very much an individual prep up until that point you come together as the team warm-up and then it starts coming more together but prior to that you, and, and people sort of naturally gravitate to to like-minded people because they know can have a bit of a laugh and a joke who you can with who you need to avoid who likes to get a rub really early some people like a rub really late i mean it's all those kind of superstitions start kicking in um and then i remember it was, it was strength when strength and condition was getting big they started making you do some like weights before the game and i was like what what are we doing here this is just crazy why would we do that it's like this is interrupting me having a laugh and a joke with some people where some people loved it and it's very much then they started realizing rather than making everyone do it they just if you wanted to do it you could uh it was it, and it's it's um i know certainly what was it called potentiation or something like that so you're going to do maybe sort of like a few cleans and build up and a couple of powers is meant to switch you on uh, I'm playing up doing my back. There are, do you know what I mean? Uh, so, but it was it was interesting. Uh, but yeah, that that, that was it, it's very much an individual thing. But then come sort of warm up when you're in for that change room, then it's just uh, all eyes and the prize really ready ready to go. Standing in the tunnel with sixty seven and a half thousand people at Murrayfield ready to come out, singing the anthem, all those things. How how do you stay? in the moment or how are you focused on the game? How do you stop yourself getting swept away in the, I'm playing at Murrayfield for Scotland? Um, I, I suppose it, it, it's more, uh, you learn to do it the first couple of times, like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like it's just the, the dream come true. But then it, it becomes, you, you have to sort of almost switch off from that part of it. And very much like people say, how do you hear things? You completely forget about the crowd. You can feel it and you can hear it, you can sense it, but you don't really, pay attention to, to the, the same because you've got so much to focus on and everything's happening so quick and like rugby that you play uh, at Watson, Stirling County or wherever it is, is no different from international rugby. The difference is that they're a lot bigger and everything happens a lot faster but actually what what you try and do in tactic-wise things are, are, are very much the same. They're just executed a lot quicker and a lot better. So th there's nothing you're ne that's different. It's just that you have to be switched on and you have to be thinking about the next job before you've even done the job you're meant to be doing and looking ahead of the game and, and being thinking actually what where am I best suited next? Especially international, but you have to be there. If not, you get caught out. Um, and, and and that's pretty much the, you can't get too involved in it because like, back to what I said earlier, if you've got nerves and start worrying about thinking about everything else, that's where my head sort of used to go. So actually just almost try and block it out and just hear have a game of rugby with your mates and try and win and that's kind of sort of how i tried to, to focus uh, on it to be honest that's kind of how i managed to deal with it what what game or or what moment at murrayfield would you go back to is there is there one thing was there a a, a final whistle or a try or a something that happened that you think if i could have that moment again i would i would be very happy i think um like 2006 when we won 2006 I think it was when we won the Kolkata Cup for the first time there like that game was just unbelievable because I think we'd beaten France first game up and we lost to Wales um, but Scott Murray got sent off we should have won that we, we, we narrowly lost that one um, and then we came back to, to, to play England and uh, and there was almost an expectation of we should win this um, and, and the, the atmosphere, it, it would be nothing like I experienced at Murrayfield before, because it was also an anticipation that we were going to win. Uh, and it was quite a close game, and I almost, I almost scored in the, in the corner, but it was just it was sort of thick and fast. It was just it was just all over the place. And that sort of, what I remember, that atmosphere. I remember going out, so I go back to what you were saying there, but walking out, and it was it was, it was was pitch black. I, I like it with those sort of nighttime kickoffs when all the lights go out, and there was only sort of, the, back then it was like the purple sort of neon lights yeah. under all the... the um, 
the stands. And I can remember running out and going, I actually don't know where I'm going. It's pitch black. And then all of a sudden the flames went up and there's these like Jacobites beating the drums. And you like, you came out and you had to sidestep these guys that were obviously in all sort of like sort of face paints, tartan, banging drums and flames going up. And yeah, that was just unbelievable atmosphere. And then the other one, so sort of similar to that was when we played the All Blacks. I think it was that year, 2006 as well. And we only, I think we lost by about 10, 15, but we should have scored. We scored a try, but the referee never gave it. it was a, he did it held up, but we were really, really competitive. Again, that was um, Armistice Day, um, and I still remember again switched all the lights off, and uh, a helicopter, I think it was Chinook, came over and just hovered over the uh, the stadium, and all the only light was on was the big screen with a poppy, and the, the spotlight of of that and singing the Flower Scott, and that was that was unbelievable. And then I remember Chris Hoy came out to deliver the match ball. I've never seen something more pumped for a game of rugby who's not playing a game of rugby. It was Chris Hoy. He was like, he, he really would have went to war at, at that very moment. But he was absolutely buzzing, shall we say. <laughs> like He was unbelievable. And I remember chatting to him after it. And he just thought it was it was unreal because he'd never been sort of in that kind of environment before, mm. I don't think. Obviously, he'd done all his Olympic stuff and things like that, but it was different in that sort of environment. And he, he was he, he, he was buzzing. That, they're the sort of two that really sort of stand out for me. And you know, you mentioned Cardiff before. Going to to those away games when you've got the diehard fans and the, and the people that can afford it and all those kind of things. But was there a, a special place? Did was Cardiff the one, or did you love Dublin, or you know, was Twickenham the challenge against England? What, like where where did you love to go? Uh, Cardiff. I got my I got my first cap in Cardiff, and I know. The- uh, I was saying to the other on the, the press, uh, a couple of, couple of colleagues at work sent a nice article to me that was uh, listing the, the fact that I was the start of the demise uh, of not winning in Cardiff in 2004, which was, which was really nice of them. Uh, so reading the article, the list in my hand was myself, Chris Custer, Dan Parks, Tom Phillip uh, as well. I got our first caps on that day and there's not one there since. Um, but for me, Millennium Stadium, like phenomenal. It was 80,000 people, first cap, running out there and I can still, I can still picture that like kickoff blew the whistle well i didn't even hear the whistle go i just see dan parts kick the ball and then you had to chase after it and it was just like a blur it was unbelievable like i couldn't get over how fast it was like do you mean people said it is quicker and, and and everything like that but that was just unbelievable and it's the first time really that when you're doing line it calls you, you couldn't hear what was what was happening you had to sort of go in triggers and you just had to react and that was it was just so fast um and that for me was is definitely and, and, and if you haven't been to was it the Principality Stadium now, is it? Yeah. Uh, it was Millennium Stadium at those times. Um, it was, it, it's like a giant game song. It's something we can experience it. You know, Murrayfield, there's a bit of distance between it and around the back. Stuff like this is literally a pitch and then seats all the way up. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And it, that is definitely some of my favourite uh, stadium I've ever played in um, by, by a mile. But it is enjoyable. Even like, old, to be fair, we played it, I think it was one of the last games at Old Lansdowne Road as well. Alan going for the triple crown. That was that was pretty special as well from an atmosphere point of view. The the firsts are things that you meant like you were able to describe that first kickoff, that that first game. Can you remember things like when you were first told you were going to get your first cap, or the first time you walked into a Scotland training session? Like, did you, did you have imposter syndrome, or was it like no, this is this is where I belong? Um. So first cap. Um. I remember obviously announced the team, and I remember 
I don't know if they still do, but Chris Patterson wrote me a nice little note put it under my door the night before the, the, the test. I've still got that in, in my uh, in, in my, my drawer uh, in my office. But then it's very much uh, you remember that. But then I suppose I was sort of very fortunate. I I, I first played for Scotland when I was like 18, I think it was, because I went in tours where we had a really successful. Um, so under 19, uh, under 18s, under 19s, un, and under 21 sort of team, um, and under 19 team. So we had it was like uh, there was Arthur Strokosh, um, there was Arthur Dickinson, there was myself, there was sort of Colin Shaw, there was Mark McMillan, there was um, Dave Callum, uh, there was Tom Phillip, um, we have Phil Godman. So we had so I think out of the sort of say starting fifteen, it was about ten or twelve was actually went on to play for Scotland. So it was a, we had a real good sort of crop, and we did sort of really well at, at under under nineteen. So it was myself and Tom Phillip got asked to go um, on the development tour in two thousand and two. So I hadn't actually signed professionally, but I went on tour with with Scotland. So it was very much like eighteen, just like oh, this, this sounds exciting, <laughs> uh, and, and going across. I remember from my mum to send some money because I'd, I'd run out of money going out in the beers Wednesday and Fridays. But um, yeah, so like so from that point of view, first time in Scotland, it was it was just it was surreal because I never experienced a like a professional rugby environment uh, at all. Um, and I was like, this is this professional rugby, this is amazing. We're going out Wednesday for, Wednesday Saturday like for three weeks in a trot. Um, but it came back down to a bump a little bit when we actually started going. But uh, and. Having that taste, it made you want to get more. So actually, when he got picked back in, uh, Matt Williams, it was a, to me, was a bit of a surprise. I'd only been professional maybe a year or so, uh, two two years pretty much full when when I when I got picked. So um, it was it was a bit surreal because obviously new coach came in and Matt Williams and decided to sort of shake up a little bit and and, and move. I, I suppose some people on rightly or wrongly, but that's what he, that was his decision, uh, and, and it gave some myself and a few other guys a, a chance and sort of stuck with us. And when you look back on on those bits and some of those players, when you then go and play against others, you know, you mentioned the All Blacks, you played Wales. Were there people that you were playing against and you thought, wow, I'm playing against them? You know, you, you were a you were a fan, you were a supporter, and then very quickly you were you were sharing the field with these people. Was there or was there anyone in the Scotland squad where you thought, I can't believe I'm playing with him? Yeah, more it was more just Edinburgh. Like he started off, and it was I mean, it was it was Duncan Hodge. I mean, I obviously watched him two thousand, uh, Calcutta Cup, and uh, in the living room, and then all of a sudden, sort of playing with him, and it was like oh, like it was it was Craig Joyner, Derek Lee as well. These sort of older guys, you sort of watched a little bit with Scotland, and then you you come start playing with them, and obviously Chris Patterson as well. And it it came in, and then all of a sudden you're teammates, then you're sort of you 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 were sort of peers. Uh, and you're le- learning off them as well. And, and at the time, we had Todd Blackadder there as well. So again, you had a lot of sort of big, well-known rugby players uh, in in the world stage as well. And, and you were sort of, you were your peers, which you hadn't been. You had been at school pretty much like the year before. So it, it was it was a big change. Um, but then, yeah, then you obviously get in the international stage. You, you're going uh, across the world and playing against sort of people you've only seen on TV and heard about, and and sort of like. Guys like Stephen Larkham, Matt Ghetto, or George Gregan, uh, those types of players, and that was sort of real sort of Australia's sort of pinnacle, really, wasn't it? Like, I remember first time I tackled Wendell Saylor, I was like literally running into a concrete pole. It was unbelievable, like so big, and so like you, you hit him and you think, oh, that's a decent shot. Like I'm not a big tackler, but I thought I'd actually I'd hit, I'd actually maybe stopped him with a, 
Ahsoka dominant or something like that. But then I literally just just kept driving. He was he was unbelievable. And and those moments that you you're throwing those names around when when people you know when you had younger players coming in, did you realise that that's maybe what they were thinking about you? Were you ever aware of that? No, no. Like as I said, I always just try to you, you treat everyone as sorry, your peer, and, and you, you're there to help them, and they have to help anyone get better. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And, and, and try and coach them or, or pass on anything on that, that you can and maybe a, a different viewpoint, try and do that. And so what I do now as well, that actually from, from what I do now, you try and maybe come from a, a different point of view because I've not done a traditional path way to sort of being a sort of wealth and wealth management it's very much trying to bring that sort of team approach um collaboration which i think sort of traditionally it's very been sort of singular and, and people are on sort of siloed on their own um and, and try to do that when playing rugby to just try and make everyone better make the team better so rather than um just try and make everyone welcome you know especially you guys people come from all over the world you know different environments different countries different languages different cultures and you try and bring them into sort of the team's culture and make them fit in because if people fit in places and enjoy it and trust you then they're likely more likely to perform was there any young player that came in you thought they're they're the real deal they're they're going to be they're going to be really special um yeah it was a couple so i thought ben cairns is one that i really sort of thought would would, would kick on and unfortunately he, so he picked up the knee injury as well and and, and greg laidlaw as well he was in the academy when i was sort of captain uh, at the start and play with him and 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 sort of really sort of champion him but he, he was sort of behind Mike Blair at the time who's obviously British Lion in Scotland and you could just tell that he had something he had a bit of a drive determination and, and a real good skill set as well so th- those are probably the, the two that sort of stick stick in my mind really that you, you kind of know that they, they, they'll succeed and you can you can tell when sort of young young guys and not so much when you when I've played with other ones, sort of Hamish Watson. So I remember we played Newcastle versus Edinburgh in a pre-season. We used to sort of do that every year. And the first time I played against them, and it was like you could tell he was like just the way the way he carried the ball into contact, the strength, his ability to do it around the pitch. He was, he was hard to get off. You just knew he was, he was a quality player. You know, when you play against people, you go, "He's good." Do you know what I mean? And you can just sort of see the way they run, they move, and, and the decisions they make. You can sort of tell who's going to be good and, and, and who's sort of maybe a little might struggle a little bit going forward, especially the way they're physically made up and so the attributes they have, you, you, you can tell who's going to be good. When you're at 
you know, you went to Falcons and Newcastle have always had Scottish players from the beginning. Uh, and there's there's still Scottish lads down there now, Cammy Hutch, Murray McCallum, don't know if I'm missing anybody. Do you make contact with them? Do you have anything to do with them? Do you catch up with them? Are you still involved? Uh, so not not still involved. Um, when you, I was a little bit, it's a year or two after um, I'd um, left. We saw, um, Bobby Vickers and I sort of hosted the business club, uh, but then that sort of fell away. But I, I've not really been in, in touch with um, many of the guys now. So more of the coaches that are now, a couple of guys I played with are now coaches. So I sort of catch up with them. Um, but no, not 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 certainly from, from that front. But you're right, Scott, Scott. There was a massive even when we were at Newcastle. I, I was there was like myself at, at one point when Edinburgh were going through their South African phase and their Solomons. There was um, there was more Scottish qualified people playing for Newcastle than there was for Edinburgh one weekend. I remember sitting counting and going because I think at the time there was myself, Scott Lawson, Scott McLeod, Mike Blair, Phil Godman. Then we had. Alex Tate, who could qualify for it. Um, there was Michael Tate, who was in the squad as well. And I think uh, there was one other as well. There was somebody else that could, could qualify for Scotland. It was a bit tedious, but he did generally got so. And I think we had eight playing that weekend that could qualify for Scotland. And I think Edinburgh only had six. <laughs> I mean, so it was like, actually, there was, we were, at one point, we were Scotland's sort of second pro side, um, which, which, is, uh, which is a bit, uh, a bit scary at, the, at that point in time. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know that. I like that. Yeah. So on a on a Saturday, are you looking out for Edinburgh score and Newcastle score? Are you still a supporter of the teams you played for? Yeah, still a supporter. Yeah, you're, you you obviously go to BBC see see who's who's won who um, results and even down to sort of like obviously Anik playing Stirling County back in the day, try and keep up with it. Uh, and and obviously Ben Kemp was coaching it. Um, at County for a little while, so to see how it's done. Then Scott Lawson then came over and then obviously won the Super Six last year with County as well, which which, which was brilliant. Um, so yeah, so it, it's it's uh, good to see Eddie Pollock as well getting his uh, his name up in lights again, which was nice. He was my first coach at Stilling as well, so uh, it's funny how things sort of uh, come come around. He was my my twenty ones coach as well, I think. So yeah, so it's 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 nice to sort of see that as well. So you know, it's good sort of. Um, Catch up, catching up with those guys as well. Nice and seeing what it is. And you say, just watch and see teams you used to play for, play against, so you know people at it as well. So um, I always tend to look out of Gloucester as well. So Chris Harris is, is down there, and then one of good mates, James Hudson, he's the nutritionist down there. So you always kind of look out for them where, where the Scottish, Scottish people end up and, and mates end up. You always sort of want, want to know how they get on. Yeah, Eddie Pollock, classes, classes forever. Yes. What, what, what a boy. And you, County... You know that that was where it started, but basketball nearly took you as well, didn't it? You were one of those annoying huggers that's good at everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, played a bit of basketball when I was younger. I would I wouldn't say I was good. I just tried really hard. Um, and I, again, it was just very lucky. We, we had a good school side, so it was, it was like out of our school team, there was three of us ended up playing up for under eighteen Scotland together. Um, and again, I just think we, we had a very sort of talented year at school and in rugby as well so it meant that you had a bit of success and success helps keep people involved and, and interested and um and did that so yeah and i enjoyed it and still enjoy basketball my, my eldest girl she, she plays basketball now so <clears throat> i enjoy going and watching her play and, and reminiscing telling her oh, you, you don't want to be doing that this is what you want to be doing oh i wouldn't have done that do you mean is, is the, what I, I used to think all the old people that used to talk and say, say it wasn't like that my day yeah, i've definitely that, become that as well you. 
back in the day, I, what I would have done was been a bit of a step here, maybe put them on the left hand with a struggle with that. So try and impart some of my 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 wisdom. I don't know if you remember this, but when we were coaching together, it was a winter where we never trained outside for for weeks, and we'd been doing handling and rugby in the games hall. And then you you decided, right, I'm going to teach them the three man weave. Do you remember yes. this? We still and do that now. Basketball. We did, it, did it earlier in the year with Anik because again frozen off three man weave up and down. Because because you really can't get it. Like, I know because oh. that, that's that's the bit. Uh, whenever whenever I'm looking at basketball and being a PE teacher for a long time, teaching the C-man weave, and uh, you are always in my head because I'll never forget you turning around and going to me. They've got no transferable skills. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, you were just like you you you'd given them everything. You'd slowed it down. You'd you'd given them repeat repeat demonstration, and then you'd go right go. And it would just break down again, and you got to a point where you're like, "I I can't help them anymore." Some people are just, just are uncoachable, <laughs> or maybe we're going to look at my coaching career. Maybe it depends which way you want to look at it. Uh, but it's three man weave. It's not that hard. Pass forward, then run around the pack, person passed. He then passes that person, run around the pack, and then it just naturally. It's not. It's not a hard drill. Always uh, move um, forward, never pass backwards. You you were always really positive because I was miserable. You were always really positive, but that that one moment has always stuck with me. When you just turned and went, they've got no transferable skills. <laughs> this is well, you're massive. You can run over the top of people. You can do that. I yeah. uh, love it. So Six Nations, Ireland and France are obviously the the ones people are are thinking about the most. Scotland are saying. You know, we've we've got a chance. Do, do you believe that? Do you believe Scotland's got a chance? Um, no, I think Six Nations is one on, on, on Friday, to be honest. Whoever wins that's probably going to go on and, and win the, the Six Nations, potentially with the Grand Slam. Um, <clears throat> if, if Scotland... They, it, 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 what would be nice if actually, if Scotland or Ireland... Right, sorry, if whoever wins it, then if Scotland can beat France um, on at home again France don't travel well um then it could be a grand slam decider do you mean in, in theory Ireland last game of the six nations which would be lovely to see but they've got a couple of hurdles that they get across before before they do that and <clears throat> it's very much like six nations if you get the first one under the back then that that, that sets you up nicely where, where if you if you lose that one then you're sort of always looking over your shoulder and, and where, where are you going to get that win so again away to away to Wales um this weekend is going to be tough. John, I think Wales are still in a little bit of transition period, but they've got a lot of young kids coming through and, and actually Gatlin's a phenomenal coach. You'll have them going and playing towards this game plan and, and they'll come out absolutely flying. So it, it, it's, a, it's a tough one to call, but I think Scotland, Scotland could, could edge that. I mean, Glasgow are, are going very well. Edinburgh have had a couple of good wins as well recently. So if, if Gregor can get them going, um, then I think it is doable, but yeah, it's going to be a tough ask. But I think if if they can, I think they can beat England at home. Um, but it's it's then it's that that French game. If they win that, then it could it could be interesting. It's the hope that kills us. Yes, yeah, it's true. It's just, it's the eternal Scottish supporter as well. It's in football, rugby, any any sport that Scotland partake in. They just you just I would I would love to believe when you were sitting in team meetings and you know first squad session and before the six nations kicks off was it always that we can win this boys was that always the mantra or 
Yeah, definitely. You, you got to go in that and, and win it. And uh, I, I still remember going back to that All Blacks game that, that, that we played. I can still remember what what Frank Haddon did. It, it was it was it, it was brilliant. I thought, like looking back at it now as a coach and, and thinking actually, how do you motivate players? You're playing against the All Blacks number one in the world, haven't lost for however long, and he pretty much our pre-match um, analysis of, of New Zealand was he pretty much put on about a six seven minute clip of them just making mistakes, like knocking the ball on dropping it, whatever it may be. And in six, seven minutes, he goes, lads, they make mistakes. Right, let's go out and train. And that was it. That was all the pre-match we did. And it was just that sort of psyche just changing it, going, yeah, yeah, they're, they're very, very good, but they're no different from you. Just go out there and, and perform. And that you've got to believe that. And no matter what sport you do or, or, or anything, you've got to go out there and believe that you're better than your opposite person uh, and, and believe that you can make a difference. And if you don't, then there's, there's not really much much point in going out there and, and, and being it. And, you, as being a rugby player and any professional athlete, you're obviously competitive. So you've also got that little bit of arrogance that you think you can you can win it. So yeah, you're always going to think you believe you can. When you're 60 points down with five minutes to go, slightly different kettle of fish. But then, uh, but definitely at the first whistle, then you've got to go for it. Do you think we're going to live to see Scotland beat the All Blacks? Um, yeah, I think we will do. I think we've been because a couple of times there was what was that. When would it been? I don't know. Sort of 28, 20, yeah, 19, four, four years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It, we had that sort of good chance, good chance to do it. And yeah, especially end of the end of the seasons, it's, it's a long old season for New Zealand, and we're kind of coming into the to the sort of start of it. Come autumn internationals, then there's no no reason why you can can't sneak a little win at some point. Yeah, good. Okay, I like that. I'll I'll take that. So. Ireland, France, you reckon are it? Are, are there players that you look at in in those squads and get excited about? Like, are, are there people you love to watch? So there's some obvious ones in both those squads. But is yeah. there anybody that gets you excited? Yeah, um, I think Bueno um, in the wing for France is just unbelievable. Like, I love watching him play. He's just so rogue, but yeah, he's just so hard to tackle. I mean, you don't know where. I don't think he knows where he's going. Uh, but he just he creates something or nothing all the time, and, and he he's brilliant to watch. I, I I could I'd happily pay to go and watch him him play. I, I think he he's he's a great uh, uh, attacker as well. And then with Ireland as well, I think obviously with with Sexton dropping out, it's going to be interesting to see how how they carry on. But there's just such a well drilled site, uh, and actually how they go about their business. And no matter sort of who you take out and put in again, that they, they they just seem to perform. Um, all the time, and actually, they tend to sort of put in the sort of really ultimate team performances. So, no, certainly, uh, it, it, for, for me, it's very much doing that, um, sort of that sort of team performance and the way they work together, and actually how well thought out it is with, with Ireland. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how they all sort of, I suppose, the new era without Johnny Sexton. So, look forward to seeing them play. But I think it should be a really good game. It's always a bit scrappy so which i think could suit france a little bit with it being in france as well isn't it so it's going to be um i, I actually think france could win that with it being in france and just being a little bit scrappy being the first hit out and they probably just maybe got the better sort of broken field players compared to ireland what do you think about dupont uh wanting to play sevens and going uh going to the olympics yeah if i if i had the skill set i probably would have um <laughs> Done, done the same as well. If it was that big time, I could dictate that I didn't need to play for my country in the Six Nations. Sadly, it was never that good. But um, yeah, well, why not? Do you mean it happens? It's probably the only time we get to do it in his career. Uh, he's he's a class player. He'll he'll he's got again pace, strength, the unbelievable skill set to, to to slot into that as well. 
Um, and not many people get to go to the Olympics. And, and naturally, you see the sort of French side, that they've got a good chance of, of coming away with a medal. Who, who would want an Olympic medal? So fair play to him. Um, I, I don't know why he, he can't sort of do the Six Nations and that as well, but it's obviously maybe the decision's been taken out of his hands. But yeah, fair play. Why not? You, your, your seven's career was was not funny but because you, you you went for it but you kind of fell into it didn't you um yeah because well it was more um scotland scotland yeah i had sort of poor run and they were having this it was the first time they're hosting it at murrayfield i think or the second time they're hosting it so they wanted to bring in a couple of other players so and it, it was myself. absolutely beautiful it, it was, was lovely, blue yeah. sky and sunshine it was exactly how god intended yeah, so so my international sevens career was was very uh, exotic. I played Edinburgh, London, and then the following year I played Edinburgh and London, and never got to basically leave the British Isles, uh, which is a bit disappointing. It was it was almost a chance I went to Hong Kong, but then I got too fit, and then I played for Edinburgh rather than to Hong Kong. It was disappointing. But um, you know, I, I loved it. Like generally, I've had I've had got the chance to play a bit earlier in my career. I think uh, um, I just loved the fact that it was a smaller squad. Like it only lasted 14 minutes, but it was basically balls out. I mean, it was that was what it was. And I loved the fact that you're a bit more of a close knit team, um, and and your skills were sort of put on on show, and you had to be sort of on point all the time, which I, I really enjoyed. Um, and we, we we did all right actually, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, which which was uh, which which was brilliant. So, and uh, no, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Class, and you used to love chucking a ball around. Uh, would you fancy doing what Lewis Rizamit's done and head off to NFL for a bit? Yeah, again, like, yeah, we'd love like do we love that? But like, they're all athletes, and I'm not an athlete. I was quite good at rugby, but I don't think I physically made the, I would be the capable of doing that. Wasn't particularly fast. Wasn't particularly strong. I still yet to understand how I became a professional rugby player, but um, but yeah, like, again for him exactly why not? This opportunity comes. He's still young. Was he twenty two? He goes and does that for a year, eighteen months. Doesn't work out. He's made some money. He's tried something new. He comes back and he'll get snapped up. Do you know I mean again? He's an athlete. He's a bit of an X factor. He, he could easily walk into to, to any team. So for me again, why not? And I think that's pretty de- like again Gloucester saying, look, we'll let you go. Go and live your dream. Um, and, and, and do that. So fair play to Gloucester as well to sort of agree to release him. Um, but yeah, I wish all the best for him. Who won't do it? He, or Christian Wade did it. And yes, he maybe didn't kick on, but then he's he's got he's got that touchdown in his, his first game, which everyone went crazy for. But then again, he's got that experience. I mean, not many people go um, when they're like you and I old and decrepit. Go, I played in the NFL or I played this. Do you know what I mean? So that, like for me, why not? Like you've got the chance to do it. Um, it's amazing. Have you watched any of the Netflix series? I've not. Uh, as in, like the the um, what was it called again? I, used, I watched it uh, years the, ago. But I've not watched any of them recently. I watched no, Hard Knocks, but it's not. No, no, the the full contact one, the Six Nations one. No, I've not watched any of that. No, do have Netflix. Too, too, uh, too okay. tight. Too tight to pay for Netflix. Still got my free uh, free Disney Plus for when I bought something. So the girls watch that. I need, I, was... to, get in, I need to get in Canto, so that's why I got Disney Plus. <laughs> live the live the dream. How how would you have felt with having a camera crew following you around? Would you have enjoyed that experience? Um, I don't, I don't know. It's just it's strange. I mean, like we didn't really have like when I was playing for Scotland, you didn't really have social media then. It was about a little bit, but I think to be honest, I, I didn't think I wasn't even on social media when I played for Scotland. I think it sort of came about after I'd finished. It, it sounds pretty old now, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just a completely different 
way of doing it. But I think that's the nature of it. That's how you how you market rugby. Um, that's how you create personalities. It's how you, you grow the game and how you get people interested in buying into it. And if, if that's what they have to do to, I suppose, the professional game to survive, then that I'm all for it, to be fair. Um, I suppose you've just got to be careful about what kind of access it is and, and what goes on and what's get aired and what's not. And um, But no, I, I think it, it's a good thing. I mean, you, you see sort of the exposure it's given other sports, then, then 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 why not? If we can create personalities and give boys opportunities in June rugby time when they're playing, but then also post rugby and, and grow a profile for them, then, then, then why not? Who, from your playing days, do you think would have been a Netflix star? Who would have been the one to to have the, the camera follow them home? Oh, you'd have been you'd have been chunk chunk of you outstanding. <laughs> uh, Scott McLeod, Scott and Murray would have been good as well. Uh, they they'd have been some 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 good characters there as well. Web, oh, when, Webble, when Stuart Hogg, yeah, when Hoggy. There's a bit with Stuart Hogg on the Netflix thing, and he's walking with his dad, and because his dad's hoik, it's subtitled. <laughs> yeah, uh, they would need that for chunk, but they'd probably need the bleeper as well. Yeah, he, he'd been good. He'd been good for. He's always good for a one-liner chunk, um, and just been uh, be good. Him, him, him. Uh, even I know Big Jim doesn't know, but Big Jim would have been good. Um, you can see see why why he's been successful and what he does, but he when he, when he was playing, he'd have been the, he'd have been similar, just coming out with some sh- stupid stupid one liners or whatever it may be. It was good. Do you think uh, Chunk would cut it now? I know he was probably one of the last of that sort of type of type of breed of props. Um, him and the Jones brothers in Wales, they, they were uh, sort of similar. Every time you went away to Wales and they came up here, they, the three of them would just disappear. That boozer somewhere, um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's just it's, it's a slightly different game. You, you've got it, but then fair play, chunk. He, he maybe he wasn't as sort of like an athlete, but he, he was an absolute workhorse. I mean, he literally was a little barrel, and and, and he, he did it when he was fit. He, he fly around he, for for the size of him, he was phenomenally fit, and he got around and, and scrummaging, and he did everything he wanted to do, and he had, he had some great hands as well. People maybe didn't get enough credit for actually his, his skill set was was very very good, and actually he would potentially fit in a bit more now than than certainly he did back then. There was there was probably there's probably more expected of props now than it was back then. And that's what sort of chunk offered at that point. And he, he quite easily be able to ball, pull the ball back in, be sort of pivot as well. So no I, I think he would still do a job. Uh class act. Timeless. Timeless. You, are you excited for the future? Do you think the future for rugby is bright? Um yeah, I think so. Um I, I think it's it, Certainly, from uh, I've been down in England and, and, and hearing a bit more about it, it's certainly in a slightly different place than certainly sort of up in Scotland and Ireland, uh, and and Wales is probably similar boat to England a little bit as well. Just trying to get that funding structure right, and and, and again back to the Netflix thing is how, how we grow, how we make it more accessible, how how do you get more money injected into it, and it's it's building that commerciality of it as well, and, and not just sort of playing the London clubs, um, and, and getting sort of grassroots in and around um it it sort of growing and getting people to buy into it and, and make it affordable as well that's the other thing as well is to go go and watch scotland now do you mean as a family do you mean if i want to take my kids up and go flat you you're pretty much not shy of 400 pounds before i've even bought bought a train ticket driven up parked the car bought something bought some food bought some drinks do you mean it, you're talking about a thousand pounds not far off or a bit less before just to watch game of rugby so it, it's it's probably 
it's, it's getting that accessibility for, 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 for everybody, really. That, that's going to be the tough part of it and, and getting that pricing right to get people to come through the door and, and buy into it, really. So we've got Six Nations in front of us. You're, this, this is going out before Scotland have kicked the ball. Where are they going to finish? Um, I think I think they can finish third. I think they'll finish between behind France and Ireland. I think uh, I, I think they win against uh, Wales. I think they win by maybe sort of six down there. I think I think they they could do it. I just think they're more settled side. Um, and they've got they've got a decent amount of experience in there now as well. Um, and and know sort of how to win away in the road, which is probably what, which lacked a little bit in the last sort of prior to sort of wins of France and England. Um, just get that sort of um. Uh, that that win in Wales will, 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 will sort, of, sort of build from there, builds that confidence. So yeah, I, I think I think France and Ireland may be a, bit a stretch too far, but I, I think they can comfortably beat everyone else. I like it. So third, that's a success, you reckon? Finishing third? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that you're up against the top two teams in the world, pretty much, aren't you? So two of the, the top three. Mm. So um, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, they Ireland with the form team going at the World Cup um, and so so were France as well so the fact that it was New Zealand you, you could have happily had France Ireland final or a New Zealand South Africa final so you would, would have been unhappy either way and they're the, 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 well, the four teams that produce some phenomenal games at the World Cup I don't see it being any different on Friday night it might be a little bit scrappage because they've not played but I still think that they're going to be the two of the top sides in the world so you're going to be watching everything, watch all the games. Yes. So no, it's good. Yeah. Um, maybe just uh, ho- hopefully just get get to the pub and wa- watch a couple, have a few beers, enjoy it, and uh, and, and hopefully toast a couple of victories for Scotland. Nice. I love it. Hoggy, always a pleasure. Uh, good to see you. I'm hoping I'll see you in the flesh at some point soon. Keep up the good work with Anik. Yep. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully survive this year. The, hopefully, the, the I don't need to get Anik. back on. Happy days, didn't it? I think I won Annex pre-season tournament once. Uh, great under club. Tens, under tens lo- lo- well. Loads of good people. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a proper rugby club. That's what I love about it, actually. It's a, it's a proper club. Everyone's a local farmers coming up from sort of pretty much borders down and up up the way as well. And all just local lads. And, do you know I mean? They're putting out um, three teams at the weekend, plus another teams, plus a women's side. Do you know I mean? It's phenomenal. So somebody's got five teams going out at the weekend for such a small place. The fact that everyone just buys into it and you've got a clubhouse, sometimes you've got sort of 100, 100 and odd people down on a Thursday night training. So it's it's, it's, it's a proper, proper old rugby club, which is nice. Class. Love it. Right. I'm going to come and visit. Good to see you, my man. Look after yourself. Cool. Thank you. Take care. Got to love it. Ali Hogg, what a man. If you enjoyed it, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. Tell your friends, leave us a review. Who knows? Big, big day coming up with the results of the Sports Podcast Awards. We got shortlisted. We're in with some big, big hitters. Uh, but maybe a third place finish for us would be a success as well. Hopefully we'll see you all very, very soon. In the meantime, enjoy the Six Nations and we'll be back with more very, very soon. Look after yourselves. My name is Bruce Hitchin from the Happiness Is podcast. My happiness is actually... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 